Come on, guys. Uh, it's great to be here this morning, and uh, we had an amazing week, an amazing week, and uh, just um, sharing some time with my daughter in California, and uh, there was one revelation that was obvious, and that revelation is that I'm getting old, dirt, <laughs> and, um, and we had a great time, and uh, I, I think coming home from this, you can have a seat, I think coming home from this, uh, you may be a little high and lifted up there, brother. I like to be high every now and then. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm feeling a little intimidated. Um, I, I, I would just want to encourage, I want to encourage you that, that your time that you spend with your kid is the most valuable time that you'll spend anywhere. Now, I love to fish and hunt and do all those things. As a matter of fact, we're just going to give away a gift, but um, there's nothing more precious than the moments you spend with your kids. And I'm not just talking to the pops today, I'm talking to the moms too. So this, we're doing life with our children, it's such a blessing. And, uh, and I'm just so thankful, I honor all you dads today. Y'all are amazing and uh, powerful. Um, I see John sitting here, I, I, I admire John. John's a great pawpaw, you know, he's always, you always find him out taking those kids out in the boat and hanging out with his kids and he's a busy man. And he finds time for his kids, grandkids, and I just love that. So, hey, I want us right now to give a huge applause to all the pops in the house today. So I might confess there's a little selfishness in this gift I'm giving away. Because it's a, has everybody got a ticket? All the pops got a ticket. If you don't have a ticket, raise your hand real quick. Right. Oh, lots of pops don't have a ticket. Why don't y'all help them out, Jason? Get some of those tickets. And y'all help them out and get those tickets. Uh, I got a little selfishness in this gift today because this is a fishing trip uh, offshore or um, inshore or offshore, whichever where the fish is biting the best at the moment. Here's some of my hands over here on the right. Um, and I'm going with them, so... So one person gets to win it, and then they get to invite somebody to go with them, so the three of us are going fishing. So, ain't that cool? Is that everybody? I, I, I didn't get a ticket, though, because I already won, right? It is a little rigged. It's not rigged, it's pre-planned. If I win, somebody else can have mine, because I've had about enough of him in two weeks. Come on, somebody. I hope he wins so I can give it away. I'm not even going to let him have it after that. I give it away. All right. All right, here we go. I need somebody to come draw Audrey, the most honest person on planet Earth. Come on. Ticket 992691. I won. No, I didn't. All right. Thank you. Hope you like fish. All right. Invite somebody. We'll get it planned, and I'll get with you on it, and we'll go fishing. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Y'all doing good this morning? Y'all doing good? How many enjoyed the breakfast this morning? All right. Good time. So um, I love having everybody in the house at one time today. Ain't that great? 
and um, it's just good. We're just excited about it. Listen, I just I'm, I'm going to throw this out there real quick. Uh, we're we're going to be making some plans to knock some walls out and do some renovation around here soon, and and I'm getting excited about that. And and we're going to have some changes. So I don't know what the next few months is going to look like as we prepare for that. We may be having. Um, tent revival or something. I don't know what we're going to do. It's a little hot for that, but we'll be doing something. So I'm excited about it. I want y'all to be praying into God's plans for our house and uh, see what God has for us. All right. All right. So this morning we're going to take a little bit of time and um, I got these guys. We call this dad talks. Has everybody seen Ted talks? All right. This is dad talks this morning. We're just going to talk about parenting and fatherhood and life and being how we grew up and whatever the Lord has put on these guys hearts to talk about. But I want to open up with a passage of Scripture, and then uh, I'm going to close, so I'm not going to say much here, then I'm going to let these guys talk. But it's in Proverbs, and um, it's in Proverbs 4. It says, Listen to my correction, my son, for I speak to you as a father. Let discernment enter into your heart, and you will grow wise with the understanding I impart. My revelation truth is a gift to you, so remain faithful to my instruction. For I, too, was once delighted of my father, and I cherished my mother and the beloved, their beloved child. Then my father taught me, saying, Never forget my words, and if you do anything that I teach you, you will reign in life. So make wisdom your quest. So make wisdom your quest. I just want to share with you just real quick today is like, as I get older, um, 55 years old, I realize how smart my dad is, you know? I remember when I was 19, he wasn't that smart when I was 19. My dad didn't have a clue. He didn't, have, he didn't understand life. At, at, at 55, I, I, I realize how smart my dad is. I'm like, my dad is one of the smartest people. I'm thankful for my father-in-law. Hey, why don't you stand, Pop? Why don't you stand over there? Come on, let's give him a hand. I'm thankful for the wisdom of my father-in-law, and I'm thankful that God put these mighty, strong, powerful men around me uh, to help me and to, to teach me and to speak into my life. And I learned on this life's journey as my children are getting older, and we talked about this, Matt and, and Shane was with me this week, as we talk about the journey of transition with our kids and how when they're young, we're, we're caregivers in their life from zero to five, and then from five to about eight or 10 years old, uh, we're cops, we're cops, maybe to 13, depending on the, the kid, we're cops, we're, listen, and, I, and we're all good at being that part, dads are good at being the cops, we're, we're really good at that part, like we want to know where you're at, what you're doing, what you're thinking, who's your friend, where you're going, what you're wearing, what you're listening to, what you're watching on TV, what you got on your phone, and you should be cops, you should be cops in that age, but then that, that next transition is so scary, it's when you, they are old enough to start making their decisions and, they, and you become a coach. And I say it's scary because you got to learn to back away. And, and, and you got to learn just to, to let them start making some decisions and some crash landings. And uh, my dad didn't know about the journey of transition, but he understood about allowing, us to, allowing me to make some really stupid mistakes to learn from. And then they come back around. Then that age, they come back around is the next age and you become a consultant, and they find out you're not so dumb after all. <laughs> and that they need a little consulting from time to time. And Dad, what do you got to say to me? 
I just want to encourage you fathers today to keep giving instruction even through those difficult moments of transition. When, you're, when you get those teenagers, remember that your coaching is powerful. And remember that they're going to come back around and someday later and they're going to say, Dad, Mom, I need you to speak into my life as a consultant. This, this transition is such a powerful thing. And look, I want to say today, stick with it. It's worth it. Stick with it, it's worth it. And it's such a powerful thing. Uh, I will be a grandpa here in just a few weeks, maybe days. And uh, I said, don't have that baby while I'm in California. And so uh, I, I'm so excited about being a grandfather. Because you know what, as a grandfather, I don't have to do the journey of transition. <laughs> I just get to squeeze, hug, and love them, and hand them back. It's going to be so awesome. But I think I'm going to get to be a consultant. And that's going to be a beautiful part. Anyway, love y'all this morning. So honoring of you fathers. Y'all are the best. And uh, just appreciate you so much. You want to go first? I will. All right. Hello, everybody. So most of you guys know me in here. You know I'm not an orator. So what I did is I took some time on the plane last night, a couple hours when we were coming into New Orleans to just write down some thoughts. And I started by asking God, you know, I have a unique story growing up, a story that I haven't shared with a whole lot of people. Um, only the people who are closest to me actually know the difficulties or some of the difficulties that I've had um, growing up. So I'm going to share a story today um, of something that happened to me and then the redemption and the grace that that actually came out of it. So I'm just going to read, and as the Holy Spirit prompts me, I may get away from my notes a little bit and chase a couple of squirrels. Also, I'm missing a contact. So if I start crying, that's why, because I'm straining my eyes. It's not because I'm a sissy. He's been crying all week. Don't believe that. <laughs> so I wrote down, I said, when I was growing up, I didn't have an example of what a dad was supposed to be. My biological father was not in the picture after I was about five years old, and my mom told me it was because he didn't want to be. I was raised by a stepfather who was addicted to drugs, verbally abusive and physically abusive. After about every six months or so, my mom would move us out of our house, and we would stay gone for about a month, and each time we left, I would be told we were never going back, and I would have to change schools, make new friends, but we always would return home where things would generally get better for a few weeks. Um, I remember crying every time my mom would tell me we were going back home. And this probably happened 12 times in about six or seven years. Um, it was weird because the, the place that we would go, we would go from Walker to Denham. So we weren't going very far from Jackson, Louisiana to Denham. So we weren't going very far. So I would always go back to the school that I had went to for three or four weeks and then about every six months. So I was seeing the same people every time we would come back. So I would, I would have friends at one place and then have friends at the other place and I would have to make up stories. I said, hey, why are you back at this school? And how come you left? And it was real, con real confusing time in my life. So I never really understood why my mom let this happen to me. Sometimes I went, I even went as far as to try to convince myself she didn't even know. You know, sometimes she would come and check on me after a beating and act like nothing had happened. 
I would always try and make sure that I was super cleaned up and there was no sign of tears as soon as it was over because deep down, I really hoped that she didn't know. I didn't want to think about the fact that my mom knew what was going on and didn't do anything about it. When I was too big to be spanked, I was often punched and sometimes even held down and choked. I was often restricted to my bedroom and told when I could and couldn't eat and could and couldn't go to the bathroom. I vividly remember one time I was beaten and told that I'd better not come out of my room or I would get it twice as bad. An hour or so later, my mom came in and hugged me like she usually did. She acted like she had no idea what had happened. She said she knew I was restricted to my room, so she brought me a new book and she brought me a bag of jelly beans. I'll never forget those jelly beans. Um, from that point on, every time I was grounded, she brought me candy, she hugged me, and she told me she loved me. It was the only affection I ever remember getting when I was at home as a young child. To this day, as you guys can see, I still like sugar a little bit. I'll be, um, hopefully next month, dealing with, with that addiction with Carter. Um, this, in, this enraged, uh, one time my stepdad came into my room after my mom left the house and saw that I had candy. This absolutely enraged him, and, and um, he was stone cold sober at this point. I could tell when he wasn't. He told me to strip down, and I knew what was coming. So I wasn't as worried because it was worse when he was higher drunk, and he hit me once with his belt, and for the first time, I was about 13 years old, for the first time, I really, really, really got angry. Um, and I, I started yelling at him, and um, that didn't help very much. He started hitting me all over my back. I made the mistake of turning around, and when I did, he still didn't stop. One of the blows ended up hitting me in the groin, and when that happened, I doubled over and caught the buckle of his belt in the back of my head. When this happened, he stopped, he walked to the bedroom door, he cursed at me, and told me it was my fault for trying to stand up to him, and then he was gone. As soon as he left, I threw up all over my bed. I was scared to go out of the room until my mom got home, so I just stayed there. And it was the next day my mom finally got home, but she never came in to check on me until that night. She brought me fresh sheets, she, but she never asked me what had happened. At the age of 16, I was getting pretty big and much stronger. One night, my dad was in a rage and came after me. He grabbed me by the neck and punched me square in the face. This time, I stood my ground. I had finally gotten enough. I felt bigger. I felt stronger. And I shoved him off of me. He actually stumbled and fell, and this surprised him, and he was totally shocked. Then he started laughing at me, and he walked away. That night, I called a friend to come and pick me up. I packed my things, and I never went back home after that. The only time I would see them would be at church. My mom would try and talk to me, and I would completely ignore her. I hated both of them. I finished my junior and senior year of high school living with a very close friend in a house his parents bought him while he went to college. He was a few years older than I was, but we were really, really close. Life was good. I worked hard after school. And that summer, I bought my first car. I actually lived in one town and went to school in another town. I'm saying all of this not to get sympathy from you guys, but to explain to you that my family was always a part of a local church. We were there almost every time the doors were open. I tried to stay as active in church as I could possibly be. If there was a way I could get out of that house, I did it. So deep down, I thought my life was normal. Every time I was beaten, my stepfather told me why he was doing it. Sometimes it was because I had made a C. 
Sometimes it was because I may have left my bike outside. Other times it was because I was mean to one of my brothers or sisters. I mean, the Bible says don't spare the rod, right? I mean, I was very confused at this time. This is the way that I thought my life was supposed to be. I was bad, so I was punished. My, sis my siblings weren't bad, so they weren't punished. My whole childhood, I was terrified of God. Who wouldn't be, right? I was bad all the time, apparently. If I could be beaten that way from my earthly father, how much worse would it have been if God really got mad at me? I always thought God was an angry dad because the only father I knew always seemed to be angry. It wasn't until about five years ago that I finally got free of that. I finally found out that my father wasn't mad at me and never would be. He loved me with an unconditional love that before that moment, and even sometimes now, I have a hard time understanding. I vowed that I would never treat my kids the way that he treated me. I would always tell them that I loved them. I would always hug and kiss them every single day. I would be a better dad to my future kids, and I didn't care what God thought about that. Right or wrong, I was going to do it differently, and that's exactly what I did. I thought I was an amazing dad. I sacrificed for them. I worked hard and long hours to provide for them, and most of all, I showed them the affection that I wasn't shown as a, as a child. So when we fast forward to last week, um, I had the honor of bringing my oldest daughter, Anna, to a place in Northern California called the JH Ranch. This is a place where dads can connect with their daughters or sons in a really unique way. It's a special place where cell phones don't work. So you can bring your phone and you can have it with you all day and you can take all the pictures that you want, but there is no service out there. I tried, trust me. And you can completely unplug from the outside world and have a real solid one-on-one -on -one relationship and time with your child. Each day, we would wake up and spend time in the Word. The daughters and dad would have, dads would have solo time to read a chapter in the Bible, and then they would come together to discuss what God revealed to them. The third morning, we were tasked to read James chapter 3. I've read James chapter 3 dozens of times, but when I got to verse 5, it was like the verse just jumped off of the page. It was like I had never read that verse before that moment. It literally came alive. I want to read it for you. I'm going to read it twice because I want you to get it, get what it's saying. It says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining our whole body, setting on, the, setting on fire the entire course of our life, and set on fire by hell itself. I'm going to read it again. I just, I want you to get it. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. It was unique because we were in a place where you could see the devastation of what a small forest fire could do over miles and miles and miles of property. Um, so it, it, I don't know if that has something to do with why this stood out or why God was able to speak to me with this, but it goes on to say, the tongue is set among our members, staining our whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell itself. And when I read this, I asked God what he was trying to show me with this verse, and I, heard, I immediately heard him say, son, you have a very sharp tongue. 
and unless you can tame it, you will never be able to reach the destiny I have called to you to reach. Your tongue could destroy everything in your life. Suddenly I started to cry, and I began to remember every time I spoke what could have been a word curse over my children. Things like shame on you. Don't be dumb, use your brain. You should be ashamed of yourself. And I wish you wouldn't do such stupid things. And I was suddenly caught up in the emotion that I was ruining my children's life. So I didn't know what to do. I'm sitting at a picnic table, surrounded by all of these people, and I'm crying and snotting and just, I was a mess. So I repented immediately and I asked God to wipe the memory of every harsh word. I had not only spoken to my children, but to my wife as well. To erase any word curse that could have possibly been planted in my family because of my lack of wisdom with using my words. I felt like I was forgiven, but I wasn't really sure what to do next. So after my solo hour was alone, I met up with Anna and we had breakfast together. After breakfast, I felt like I knew what I had to do. I had to simply apologize to Anna and ask her for her forgiveness. I remembered a specific time I had spoken harshly to her and was just about to ask her for forgiveness when I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to ask her something else first. And I asked her, I said, Anna, she knows the fruits of the Spirit. I said, what is, what is the one fruit of the Spirit that you think I walk in or I'm, that, what, I don't even know how to say it. What, that I act out the most or that I portray the most. And it blew my mind what she said because without hesitation, she said gentleness. And I was like, Anna, no, really. Which one was it? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Me, gentle? She, and she was very adamant. And I thought that was really weird until what happened next. And I went with my original plan and I told her that I was sorry for the harsh words I had spoken to her in the past. I even told her what I said and her words absolutely stunned me. She said, Dad, you've never said that to me before. In fact, I've never heard you say those words before. And she was, conf and <laughs> as you can imagine, I totally lost it again. And she was, she was confused, but I knew exactly what had happened. And I shared with her what I had written in my journal about all that God had revealed to me that morning. And we had an amazing moment in the presence of God together after that. And, but what God showed me is that my prayer was answered before I ever thought to pray it. You see, that's how grace works. My father in heaven knew that I was going to be at a picnic table at J.H. Ranch with a heart open to receive his guidance. He knew that I would repent of that and ask him to erase the memories of my harsh words from my children. What he actually did was way different than what I asked for, but he did it in an infinitely better way. He showed me that there was a grace on my life and that every time the moment arose where I said something that could damage my children, he closed their ears to hear. Man, that's the exact definition of God's grace. That's what grace is. That's what our father does for his kids. That's what he did for me, and I know he's doing the same for you. We as parents will never be perfect. We will never do everything right all of the time. But that's where God steps in. He really does work out everything our, for our good. And the love that we have for our children covers a multitude of sin. Yes. 
So I hope my story gives you guys a little bit of hope. Come on. I enjoy spending I, I enjoy spending time with him most of the time. <laughs> a couple of times. We had a little not hits, but I thank God for what God has done in Matt's life. And he truly loves his wife and friend. God's good. That's kinda hard to follow up right there, but um thank you. Thank you for that. Um First of all, I want to say thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. It's an honor and it's a privilege, um, not only on Father's Day, just, just to be able to speak in the house of God. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 6 and 18 talks about, Jesus says, I am the Father, you are my, my sons and daughters. So uh, it's good to know that we're, we're child of God. We, each and every one of us, we can celebrate Father's Day every day. Um, you know, um, that's, I've said it before, my greatest calling is, is to be a father, is to be a dad. Um, there's no other love that I have in life like I do for, for my children. And I can only imagine what, what God has for us. And um, so uh, I want to thank you for that. Um, also, I want to remember my, my, my dad and my grandparents. My dad passed away about um, almost a year ago, so um, I'm remembering him this day. And um, so just uh, all the ones that's come before us as well, and as uh, my grandpa especially. If it wasn't for my grandfather, my mom's dad, he, um, he gave me a passion for the Word because he read every day, and um, he, would, he would speak it to me. He lived it. Um, there's a few things I want to talk about. Um, one is just some, some, uh, some, some key things that that helped me as a father, some things that I've learned, um, and a little bit of where I left off about five or six years ago. I, I gave a testimony, uh, my children and, and my oldest son. So some key principles in life that I've learned as a father and what I've picked up is uh, to be a model, to basically be a, um, a model for them, um, as in a father, someone they can look up to, a role model, I should say. and. Um, not only um, to my kids, but, but others. Uh, we do a lot of uh, baseball as well. I'm, we travel a lot, and I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of, a lot of uh, different young men, and um, a lot of them don't, don't know what we know. And um, you can see some, some times when they need a little encouragement. So that's, that's part of what I consider uh, a little bit of uh, my discipleship, my ministry, um, to take it outside of these four walls. Um, I try to to hold my kids accountable. I try to be accountable, and um, and I want them to be accountable. Um, humility. I, uh, I you know being humble. Um, be be slower to anger, because um, there's there's times when uh, I need to be a little bit forgiving and be a little bit humble and realize that I made a lot of mistakes as a child, and. Um, you know, just just different things uh, to to pr um, show in their life. Be be leaves an example. Um, another thing that that's important is is prayer. Teach teach my sons prayer. Um, a lot of times at night, my my two youngest ones. Uh, w most nights we sit down and pray. Um, a lot of you know might know my 12 year old. He's he 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 don't say much, but 
first time I say let's go pray, he's the first one in there. And um, he's the first one to lay hands on me if, if something's wrong. We pray about it. We get in a special place at my house, me and uh, my two young ones, and, and um, sometimes my wife joins us, and we pray. Um, so I try to, to, you know, show them, and they show me a lot of ways because uh, I know if they're praying for me, I believe in them, and I believe in the faith that they have. Um, and it's also biblical, right? And, um, and more importantly, show them love and teach them love and to love our Father, more importantly, and love our neighbor, love each and every person. And when they go to school, when they, along with their teammates, to, to show them love. And um, so my second thing is... Um, <clears throat> Continue on from uh, the testimony that I shared about five or six years ago with my with my oldest son, Michael, who's 21. My 12-year-old's Chandler. My youngest is is Dalton, and he's uh, he's the Spitfire. He's he's some, he keeps us he's in check at at our house. Um, he kind of gets my temper and my wife's stubbornness. She's not here. I can say that. <laughs> but uh, but um, he's he's I mean they're all three a joy, but he's he's the daddy's boy. He takes up for him, and my 12 year old would fight a lion over my wife. I tell you what, you don't even look at her the wrong way, and he don't he'll he'll uh he's, he said, Daddy, you better watch you talking to my mama's how he is, <laughs> but but that's how I want them to be, right? I mean that's how they should be. Um, but to continue on, um, five or six years ago, I was up here doing the same thing, and I think Matt as well, and. Um, me and Matt's got a lot of similarities. We talked about that before, um, our past and our childhood. But anyway, my, uh, my oldest son, he, uh, we met, basically, him, his mom and I met when he was six years old. And um, some people, uh, we don't use the word step in my house, by the way, so that's my son. I love him, and I don't treat him any different. And uh, most people know, know that that's my son. Um, well... At first, it was not so easy. He was, he was a little stubborn, had a lot of energy, and uh, wasn't used to a dad being in, in a household. So our common bond, um, something we come, you know, that him and I connected with was through sports. We both enjoyed it. We had to find our, our, our something common that we both liked. So we connected to that. I've also, by doing so, we, we, um, we created a bond, and I used that to discipline him a lot of times instead of uh, – and he got his butt spanked, but a lot of times I get him out there and make him win, run wind sprints. And um, at practice, um, you know, I noticed at an early age that he was he was gifted. He was an athlete, and uh, and but he also had a lot of play in him. And um, and I told him, son, if you want to be good at something one day, you got to, you know, it's good to play, but when when you take something serious, you got to work hard at it. So we were butt heads with that. Um, as time went on, um, he he. Uh, he got older and got a little bit more what he thought was he was a young man. And, and the testimony I gave before is uh, he snuck out my truck, wrecked it, flipped it, totaled it. If you'd have looked at it and seen the pictures, you'd think there's no way someone walked out. Well, he walked out of it without a scratch, without a bruise, and that's the God on his truth. As they were singing tonight, up to this, after, I mean, this morning, talk about the, the, the blood of Jesus, the power. Well, and I said this before, before I would leave, I was traveling overseas. I would pray the power of uh, God's blood upon him, the protection. Well, that was a miracle right there. He was, he was you know, that was the first miracle I seen in him. Even though he was doing wrong, God heard my prayers a long time before and had his protection on him. So moving forward a few years after that, he was about 15. Um, like I said, he was a gifted athlete. Um, he was getting looked at, but he was also a 5'9", 145-pound small kid 
not many D1 colleges are looking, I mean, are looking at him, but they're not giving him any offers. So we're like, okay, you know, that's okay. You know, just keep trying. High school career goes out, uh, done. He's got about one more game tournament that he, he's going to go and play and organize, organize baseball before he decides to start co um, college and kind of just put his baseball career behind. So he goes over to the Louis Leesville, Louisiana, and lo and behold, there's about 116, 17, 18-year-old kids playing baseball at a high level. Um, and walking around this park was this gentleman by the name of Mr. Dave McQueen, who is a Colorado Rockies scout. Now, folks that know about sports, if any scout whatsoever is in, around, he's definitely going to be noticed, right? He stood out. A few days later, Michael, he's, he's doing well, had a good tournament. And um, their last game he's playing, they're losing. He's still competing, still giving up his heart. And uh, Mr. Dave McQueen walks up to me and said, uh, excuse me, sir. He said, uh, the, the kid, number 18, that's, that's playing for Punchatula, you know him? I said, number 18 on Punchatula? He said, yeah, he's my son. He said, no, no way. He said, you think he'd like to talk to me? I said, no, I know he'd like to talk to you, right? <laughs> so after the game, I motioned to my son. I'm like, get over here, kind of, you know, come on. He gets there, and the first thing Mr. Dave McQueen says to, introduces himself, and my son already knew who he was. I mean, everyone there knew who he was. He said, uh, first thing he said, to him, and I'll never forget it. He said, son, he said, do you know the reason why you're here doing what you're doing? It's because of your mother and your father and the sacrifices they make. He looks at him and said, yes, sir, I do. He said, I don't show it enough, but I do. He said, the second thing this man told me, and I'll never forget it. He said, do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? That he is your Lord and Savior. And when he said that, I think I said, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, right in front of this. MLB, Major League, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. My son kind of is like, well, you know, yeah, I know, I know Jesus. So make a long story short, um, he got our phone number and contact, contacted us a few days later. Um, several of you know he went and played um, junior college baseball, followed his dream. And, um, and, you know, the irony of it is Mr. Dave McQueen is not just a Colorado scout. He, uh, he goes around, his ministry is to go around and find these, um, these young men that's got, all young men, but one that's specifically that's got a little talent, try to help them get to the next level. And he witnesses them to them. He talks to them. He connects with them. He connects with his family. He talks to, and he stays in con connect. I mean, I'll get a phone call from him all the time. And, it, you know, how often does someone get a call from a major league scout? He'll call me, hey, how's it going? How's Michael doing? He'll call Michael, how you doing? He uh, just found out about a week ago, you know, he's, uh, he goes around this nation talking about a five foot nine, honey four to five pound boy that, that just was, was giving it his all, wasn't giving up. What I'm here to say is, y'all, don't live, wherever you're at in life, I, I travel a lot with baseball. We're going to New York in a few weeks, going to Tennessee. My little boys, they, they play a lot of travel ball. They really committed. But first and foremost, I told them more than anything that put God first. Wherever we go, we pray. If we see someone, lift them up. Tell them about Jesus. Wherever you go, you can have a ministry. It does not matter. In, um, we can connect more outside of these four walls than we can in here. And that's what Pastor preached. Look, you know, a lot of people ask, hey, you know, you share the word on Facebook and everything. And I said, I do. It's, it's what I feel to do. I, I study the word. I read the word. But more importantly, when I'm at work, when I'm at the ball field, that's when I want to love on people. That's where I want my kids to go up to someone, hey, it's going to be all right, you know, and, and talk to them and witness them a little bit. So that being said, 
if nothing else in life I do is to teach my kids as a father that the one true father is the one up above and they keep that focused. Now, my, one last thing, my oldest son is not where he needs to be in life with God. But maybe I can't get to him, but maybe Mr. Dave McQueen one day, he reached out and you know what? So that MLB scout who helped me get and play college ball, he thought enough about Jesus to tell me about Jesus. Maybe that'll have effect on him. One day, he's going to open up, and he's going to be in here or wherever serving God like he should. So I want to thank you, Pastor, again for, for uh, doing, uh, letting me share, share my testimony. I really wanted Jason to talk to some of you fathers today. Maybe you're, um, you're fathering a child that's not your biological child I love that he said we don't say step in this house we don't say step and I, I, I maybe you're maybe you're fathering even like myself I father children that are outside of my family that doesn't live in my house such a privilege yesterday on our way back I got to eat lunch with Tori and and Hannah they're part of our house you know and and Tori uh, had I'd taken a picture with one of the guys up at the JH with, that had been on a mission trip with Tori. And uh, it made my heart feel big when she said, yeah, I talked to him. I told him, I'm glad you got to meet my dad. Because we get to parent people. And so fatherhood is not just having a biological child. Fatherhood is who we are, what we do, everywhere we go. Loving people, touching lives. And Jason's not here a lot during the ball season. And uh, he misses a lot of Sundays because he's out playing travel ball. But here's what he's doing. He's having church every Sunday, every Saturday with these boys. And he's teaching them who, God, who Jesus is. And he's pouring into their lives. And he loves really big. And don't stop doing it on Facebook. You're my favorite preacher on Facebook. <laughs> and I'm going to close with this today with our dead talks. And... Um, like, like uh, Matt, uh, early one morning, I was drinking coffee. And the sun was rising over the mountains. It was chilly in the mornings. I had my jacket on, and I was just spending some time with the Lord alone. And I felt like the Lord uh, started talking to me and says, what about the plans for your life? What about my plans for your life? Not, not your plans for your life, but what about my plans for your life? And you know, at 55 years old, you think, well, I already know all that God, you know, God's plan for my life, you know, I, and I'm pretty settled on that. But God was speaking to me and said, look, don't ever forget that I've called you, that I've placed you as a father, I've placed you as a pastor, I have a plan for your life. And so the Lord took me to this passage of Scripture where Jesus said, I only do what the Father says do. Only do what the Father says do. And it's in John 5, 19. He says, I speak to you this timeless truth. The Son is not able to do anything for himself only through my own initiative. Through, and only, I only do the works I see my Father do. And I thought about how many times we try to do things through our own initiative, through our own plans. And, and we were with someone this week and and there was a comment made about ambition. And oh, oh Sully, I, I wish I could bring Sully and be here with you today. <laughs> Sully's my old hippie friend from California. And he's a true blue old hippie. And, 
he knows it and everybody loves it and I don't even know what his real name is because he would never tell me his last name is Sullivan and he goes by Sully Sullivan and I've asked him and I asked his wife and his he just his name is Sully that's the only name he has <laughs> and so we were talking about and Tim and Matt and at the table he knows Tim and and he said one thing I found out that ambition is not a fruit of the spirit Ambition is not the fruit of the Spirit. I want to talk to you dads for just a moment. Sometimes in life we feel all this pressure to have the greatest jobs, make the most amount of money, have our kids wearing the best clothes, driving the best cars, on and on and on, image-oriented. Sometimes it's out of guilt. Sometimes we can work out of guilt as Matt talked about today, I want to give my kids what I didn't have. And that's okay if it's in God's plan and order that we don't get ambitious to do something God didn't call us to do. Because the perfect plan of God in our life is the legacy that we leave to our children. I was talking to a guy that was in our group this week, and he's a financial planner. He said... When you come to the end of your life, more families dissolve over a few dollars left by their parents because of greed and ambition. Families splintered up, just going every direction over a few dollars left by mom and dad. Those are not the things that really matter the most. And my dad, I would have loved for my dad to have been here today. And my father-in-law's here. You know, I don't expect them to leave us a lot of money. I don't expect them to leave us millions of dollars and all of that kind of stuff. Mainly because I don't think they're millionaires. <laughs> Check me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe you are leaving me millions. I'm getting really excited about that. But I don't, expect, I don't expect them to leave us millions. But you know what they're leaving us that matters the most? As I've watched my father... And I've watched my father-in-law do what the father said do. Yeah. And I, there's no legacy like that. Uh, I got a beautiful uh, letter from my mom and my dad and from my parents, uh, my in-laws this week. And I watch my children. And my children admire their grandparents. And they look to their grandparents and say, I want a marriage like that. I want steadiness like that. I want this like that. But if we look beyond the parents, there's something, that, there's, there's something that's causing that to happen. It's not because they in themselves are great. It's because they've made a commitment to God. I will only do what the Father says do. I'll only say what the Father says to say. I'll only, I'll only go where the Father says go. And when he speaks, I will listen, I will obey, and it creates a legacy. Now, Holly, I'm so excited about this grandbaby coming up. Man, I can't hardly wait. I'm already, cra- I'm already grand Paul crazy. And, uh, you know, you, you, I never found myself in the last few years walking around and walking through a department store somewhere and looking at oh baby clothes (laughs) 
oh, look at that. Oh, you know. I find myself already doing those things like so excited about this grandbaby coming on. But the thing that keeps resonating to me is will you leave a legacy that matters more than money, more than houses and land? Will you leave a legacy? Now, I want to tell you something. Here's confession. If I had Holly and Heather up here today and we just got real honest, they could tell you some pretty nasty things that their daddy did when they was being raised. I didn't do it all right. Sometimes I did say, won't you use your head? Why are you so dumb? Why are you doing that? Why are you? Come on. Use your brain. One thing that Holly used to get so mad at me about, I'd say, I had this little clap thing I do. <laughs> Did it to Matt a few times this week. <laughs> hey, that's my little attention. Heather hates that too. She hates the clap. Now she does it. <laughs> Be careful what you hate. <laughs> but if I would say, Holly, don't be lazy. Now, I wasn't really saying, Holly, you are lazy, but in her heart, she would heard, all she heard was, why are you calling me lazy? See, our words are so powerful. And what we say is so powerful. What we do is so powerful. And I thank God that I'm learning through this process. I've asked them to forgive me many times over. You know, Holly and Heather and Haley say, I have three, I have three daughters and two granddaughters because they say I parent the two younger ones far different than I did them. And it's true. I don't, I, 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 poor, poor Haley, I'm, I'm glad you still love me, Haley. <laughs> I beat the daylights out of her all the time. <laughs> I spanked her and spanked her and spanked her, and she just loved me. I would spank her, and she would get up from a spanking and hug me. found out one day spankings don't work. <laughs> it ain't working. I done beat her to death. It was along the way that I found out, you know what? She's really not rebellious. She's just an artist. Her, she's off in La La Land. She really did remember what you told her. And still today, she'll, uh, she'll, she'll go to get something for herself or somebody else, and she'll walk to the kitchen and come back and say, what was I getting? <laughs> because she dreams, and she sees visions, but she, she can take a piece of canvas that's blank, and in a few minutes, it's beautiful. Right. I want to say this today. When we listen to the Father's heart, and I didn't do this the whole time, but when we listen to the Father and He speaks to us, he helps us see what we cannot see because he created them. I know you'd like to take credit for it, but really he did it. And he created them and he made them in his image. And he has a plan for their life, all of them, and this grandbaby coming and your babies that are here. And when we learn to listen to the Father's heart, he tells us who they are. And then he gives us his powerful instructions on how to raise them. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's okay to read books. 
It's okay to read books. But listen, there's no book that you can read that has the instruction for your kid. It gives you some wisdom to walk it out. But there's, and there's no instructions that says on the bottom of their feet when they're born that you can look at and says, feed daily, love carefully, walk softly. It, there's no instruction book for that. It's a process. And so I want to say to you dads today, listen, don't cry over spilled milk and don't let the devil beat you up for what you didn't do well. Tomorrow, today is a brand new day. Yesterday has passed. And the same, and Matt said today, the Holy Spirit is our covering. And he'll forgive us for our mistakes. And he knows that we're all in this journey and that it's a process. And that as we love our kids like Christ loves us, and we say, Father, I just want to hear what you have to say today. He not only gives us a plan for our lives, but he gives us a plan for our children's life and our children's children's life. And we're passing on this amazing legacy, this amazing legacy that will be world-changing, life-changing, and generational. So I'm going to say to you today, dads, you're the heroes. You're the heroes. You're the heroes. Haley Mamia. Heidi Mamia, Father's Day card. I can't remember their names either. <laughs> Matter of fact, I left linings for bed linings for my for Haley. She's going to JH Ranch tomorrow. And I left bed linings and I wrote on the sheet on the pillowcase so they wouldn't get it confused and I put Heidi Poole. I said that's the wrong name. Haley Poole. <laughs> So, Heidi gave me this card this morning, and it says, my hero, got a Superman. Now, I don't really think of myself as a Superman, but what I know is, what I know is, is that God makes us super because he's the man. God makes us super because he's the man. And it says this in big letters, the glory of children is their father, Proverbs 17. I want to pray over you dads today. You're powerful, powerful, powerful men. I want all the dads to stand. All the soon-to-be dads to stand. I want you to look around at a dad that's near you, and I want you to tell them you're powerful. Just tell them. Just want to speak that over them right now. You're powerful. You're powerful. And I want to pray over you this day. And here's what I want to pray. If you're standing in this room today and you're maybe like Matt and you don't have a childhood memory of father or maybe you're, there's been some things in your life that was difficult, here's the first thing I want you to do today. I want you to forgive. I want you to forgive so that you can be everything that God created you to be. You see, the enemy would like to hold that in our hearts. Let's release today our pops. Let's release today our dads. And let's say, we forgive. I asked Shane to speak this morning. He just didn't feel comfortable doing it. But one of the most powerful testimonies that Shane's told me this week is how he came to this place in his life that he had to say, Dad, I forgive you. I forgive you. I, let, I release you, Dad. I release you from the hurt that you caused me, the pain that you caused me. 
because here's what we want to do. We don't want to transfer what's been done to us. We want to transfer for what God's doing for us. So we release them today. And then I want you to say, God, forgive me for the mistakes I've made as a pop. But then I want you to declare over your life that tomorrow you're a hero and you're going to do things great for the kingdom of God. And there's no zeros in here. There's only heroes. The most powerful people on the planet today is not the presidents, not the governors, not, not any of those people. The most powerful people on the planet today standing in this room today is fathers. We have all authority. I never, get, I never cross those lines. If I never cross the lines of authority. I never, I never go to a wife and say anything against the husband or against the authority of their home because you're the most powerful authority in your home. When you speak the name of Jesus, demons flee out of your home. You have the authority. You're the priest over your home. It's a powerful thing. And you need to walk in that authority and believe in who God created you to be. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every dad in this place today. We thank you, Lord, for these mighty, 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 mighty men of God. God, we're, 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 we're just men. We get up every day, and we, we do life, and we, and we go through life. And some of us standing in this room, or most all of us actually stand in this room, somewhere along the way, even to us that's had great dads in our life, there's been some things and mishaps and misunderstandings and some things that we didn't understand. And, Maybe we felt abandoned or left out or we felt like wasn't truly loved. Today we release our dads and we say, God, love them big. Let the same love that you've given to me, Father, go to our fathers. And we just, we, we just forgive. We forgive for the mistakes that were made because we want to be forgiven, God. And we ask you, Lord, to forgive us for some of the mistakes we've made parenting. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into our homes and just rain down your glory as we obey you and do what you've called us to do. We thank you for the impartation of your love. We thank you for the grace that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that we know we don't have the wisdom or we don't have the ability but you have the wisdom, and so we surrender our lives to you today as fathers, that your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and direct our paths. And then when you come to us, God, and you speak a word to us, we will not hesitate. We will not hesitate one moment that we're so close to the Father's heart that when you speak to us that we just obey you, and then we allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. We thank you for our children. We honor our children today. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us children. A gift from God. And we want to steward that well. We ask you, Lord, this day to show us your love and kindness. To bless us greatly. And I want you to just pour out your love upon these dads today. Let them feel love like they've never felt love in their life. Baptize them with the love of God. Baptize them with the goodness of God. Today, I pray that families will reach and put their arms, their children, put their arms around their dads today, and they will not just feel the arms of their children, but they will feel the arms of God as he says, well done, Dad. Well done. You're a good and faithful servant. We love you. We love you. We thank you for all the dads in the house today. Now, moms I want, and children, I want you to stand, and I want you to applaud these dads like crazy right now. Come on.